Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Alright, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show we are talking about Hellraiser with the return of Pinhead, this time played by Jamie Clayton, uh, from director David Bruckner, who did The Night House last year, which was a pretty damn good scary movie. But a lot of people have been really looking forward to this new Hellraiser after a string of direct-to-video, you know... Entries in this series. Uh, so I am very excited to talk about it. Joining me is Lauren Knight from That Movie Is Fine. Uh, we have a great conversation, lots of really fun puzzle pieces to get into. And before we get to that, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And of course, you can follow us on social media at Piecing Pod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And I do want to let you know about our Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, as well as from Awesome Movie Year, and from my music career. Lots of great stuff over there, so check it out. It's patreon.com slash Rosen. Of course, there's a link in the show notes. And... Otherwise, just keep listening, and I'm really happy that you're out there. But if you want to support the show that way, we really appreciate it. So with that said, let's talk about Hellraiser. All right, it's time to talk about Hellraiser. And joining me is Lauren from That Movie is Fine. Lauren, how's it going? Hi, David. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very, very excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I was hoping to get a big Hellraiser fan on this one. And like you have told me, you love this series, huh? Are, are, have you seen all of them? Because I haven't seen like the later direct-to-video ones. I have seen every single one. Um, mm-hmm. I have read The Hellbound Heart, and I even have a pinhead tattoo. Um, Beautiful. So I, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm somewhat qualified, uh, but yeah, I will, I will defend Hellraiser Judgment, which was the last of like the DTV ones, like to keep the rights. I will defend the ideas that that movie presented, mm. it's, even though it's not at all by any means a perfect movie. But um, <laughs> yes, I have seen them all. Uh, I love almost all of them in their own way, even the bad ones. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but yeah, so very, very excited I mean, to be here. <laughs> it's a very rich world with which to make movies. Like it's surprising we haven't gotten more, uh, more successful 
entries in the series other than the first few and and this one you know we'll get into it as we're talking about the movie but yeah i mean there's so much to it and there's so many different directions to go with these kinds of characters and 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 the kind of themes that play around in the hellraiser world and and those books so yeah i don't know it's a weird thing but before we get too deep into hellraiser it is your first time on the show why don't you tell people a little about you and uh, your podcast oh thank you um my name is lauren knight everyone um, you can find me on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram at That Movie Is Fine, which led to an idea of doing a podcast of my own um, with my friend and creative partner, Aaron Hudson. So we host the That Movie Is Fine, the podcast together. Um, I have seven years uh, working in film exhibition. I was a film programmer and live events manager for the Alamo Drafthouse Cinema when they had locations out here. Um, then they became a different theater called Majestic Neighborhood Cinema Grill. And I was with them through mm. the transition and I departed in mid-April. And so I launched my own live events, theatrical screenings and celebrity appearances company. And that's going really well. And you can follow that on Instagram at LA Night Consulting. Awesome stuff. And uh, I, I hope our paths cross for some of these kinds of events at some point. I, I, I love doing things with movie theaters, with exhibition, like all that kind of stuff. Like it's really fun stuff and it's great what you're doing. That's really great stuff. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, we've um Majestic has done actually some live podcast recordings um mm -hmm. since I've departed also. So if you're ever in Phoenix, like you could set up a screening and you could record live and like the audience will stay there oh. and then like it could get, you know, audience feedback and things like that. So Definitely. We interact on Twitter all the time. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're going to make it happen. But let's talk about Hellraiser uh, to your podcast. That movie is fine. Would you say that this movie is fine? I, that's kind of where I landed <laughs> on it. Like, you know, I, it's like I wanted to love it. I really did. And I still I would say that it's probably the third best Hellraiser as far as I'm concerned. And it's still good. I really enjoyed it. But fine. Is that where it kind of landed for you? <sighs> I have it just above that. I have it as more than fine, but only just okay. barely. I think mm. it's because I was just grateful that it didn't suck, right? <laughs> That's like fair, that yeah. it just did not <laughs> suck. I'm not the biggest fan of, say, the new like Halloween installments, right? So yeah, like to me, it could have been way worse, but I'm just thankful that we've got like a new legitimate entry into the franchise mm -hmm. that will presumably spawn other, you know, high budget, high concept sequels. So yeah. um, I'd say that the, the third act for me had me just like flipping out in a good, like mm -hmm. in all the good ways. And so it, it bumped it up to, to, to more than fine, but I admit yeah. it might be kind of like, just, I'm so excited to have gotten a new Hellraiser. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, yeah. but we're we're probably similar. We're probably similar, mm -hmm. but I really did like the third act, so. Yeah. And and that's when things get crazy and and the Cenobites really like you, you get to see them all in action and and of course Jamie Clayton finally getting to do stuff as Pinhead and and uh she's great and you know, so yeah, hopefully we will be getting more of these, but uh yeah, it, it's 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 a we again. It's just a weird series to kind of uh, to kind of talk about. Like I just recently rewatched the first one for the first time in many 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 years, and 
God, it's just so good. It's so hard to, uh, you know, even kind of stand up to that. And I thought the second one was a lot of fun. And I thought this one was fun for, you know, for what it is. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough thing to crack, though, I think, you know, I think there's so many angles to kind of like get into it from that it, it kind of makes it a, a difficult series to make entries in which is probably why a lot of the direct video ones didn't quite work so well that and you know bad scripts and whatnot but <laughs> <laughs> but you know let, let's start getting into some puzzle pieces and and that'll kind of uh take us through you know some of these things that worked and didn't work here but um i know i have more than you so I, i'm gonna actually kick it off myself with the first one and uh I'm going to go with the Wishmaster series for a puzzle piece here. Uh, you know, our, our main character here learns that this puzzle box can bring her dead brother back. And uh, from that point forward, I mean, it kind of turns into like a gin or genie type movie where where every like you know would be good wish is going to have a bad side and is going to backfire in some way and of course uh the Cenobites are promising you know some chance at getting her brother back but of course that's going to be awful and lead to like death and and horrible stuff and so just like the Wishmaster series you know kind of uh playing with that kind of like genie type symbolism I feel like this uh this movie is kind of using uh the Hellraiser brand and the the pinhead character and the Cenobite characters to kind of play in that same kind of world. Oh, that's a really good one, actually. Uh, yeah. My first one is not, I'm just going to get it out of the way. And I know it's sort of cheating, but it really does play a huge role. Uh, mm -hmm. Hellraiser 2 or Hellbound Hellraiser okay. 2. Like, I know that's uh -huh. cheating, but I flipped out when there was reference to Leviathan and things like that. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my God, are we going to get more of Leviathan? Are we going to get more of Hellraiser 2? And so I think that was an interesting way to take it. And if people have only seen the first one, then they're like they might be confused or sure. Or, but I I was so excited that they were kind of playing more off of Hellraiser 2 because we don't really I don't think Leviathan, it's been a while since I've seen all of the Hellraiser movies, but I don't think the Leviathan plays into any of the sequels. Mm -hmm. um, and so yeah. this sets it this sets it up for different ways the story can go, including yeah. an actual like remake of the first one. So like if they wanted to, you know, hypothetically do like a Kirsty Julia story down the road yeah. or something like it would still fit in that realm. So I know my yeah. first one's cheating, but it's clearly an influence. It's clearly a puzzle piece. So I'm counting yeah. it. <laughs> well, that's the thing with, with when you're talking about a series with like eight entries and all these sequels and based on books, like, of course, there's going to be some amount of, uh, you know, inspiring itself in trying to reboot the the franchise. And, and it is interesting, though, to to bring up the second one specifically, because you're right. I mean, this feels a lot more like a continuation of the second one mm -hmm. and kind of leaving behind the first one, which I think is smart because like I was saying, the first one is just so damn good. It's like, uh, how do you, uh, unless you're going to completely start over, like how do you follow that up exactly? So I, I was going to ask you, you, you've read some of these books. Like is this particular story, like uh, from your memory, like is it in any of the books or was this an original story just based on the world? Um, so I've only read The Hellbound Heart, which was just Hellraiser 1. Um, okay. And actually a few of the changes they made in Hellraiser, like Kirstie is not the is not the daughter 
in the book. Mm-hmm. She's like an ex, uh, like lover to um, uh, Rory, like it's, but still kind okay. of, but still loves him anyway. So the the first one is actually a lot like the book. Um, mm-hmm. I think the second one Clive wrote for the film, but didn't actually. I don't think it is a short story. Um, okay. But I okay. believe Clive did write uh, and direct Hellbound, Hellraiser Two. Um, mm-hmm. But I do know that Clive had said that the new uh, that Bruckner's Hellraiser has inspired him to write a new Hellraiser story using oh, nice. the Jamie Clayton version of Pinhead. So okay. um, that also is really, you know, exciting for a fan like me. And I would love to read more. Um, I'm not familiar with him continuing the story of like the Cenobites and things right, like that. Right. But he did create Leviathan for the second Hellraiser. So it is, you know, yeah. it is canon if you, you know, want to call it that. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll go on to another uh, big reboot that I feel uh, was kind of an influence on this, and that is the Evil Dead reboot, um, which uh, used a main character with addiction issues to kind of give an added layer to kind of tying in on this like classic horror story. And, uh, you know, I, I understand that one of maybe the like later direct video ones also kind of played with that kind of an idea. I haven't seen that one, like I said, but um, it, it has been done a lot lately. I feel like, like bringing in like various kinds of like addiction type issues to kind of bring characters into these worlds of horror. And uh, that one is done just so damn well. And I still to this day think is one of the best uh, horror reboots or remakes. And uh, the fact they were able to pull it off there, I think kind of makes sense that they would try it here. I agree. I actually just saw Smile in theaters um, mm-hmm. last week, and that one is is not about addiction, but it is about mental health and mental well-being sure. and dealing with trauma. And so, yeah. I mean, you can argue like the similarities there. There is a lot of horror these days that are focusing on on mental health or like not being believed right yeah. or how addiction affects more than just the person who's the addict right it it is like a cancer that affects everyone around you um so no that's that's really great i think um and the evil dead reboot is a great one um aesthetically for me because i'm i one of the things i just fell in love with the hellraiser franchise is all the like practical effects and the makeup Mm -hmm. and things like that like i it's so grotesque and just But like beautiful also, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. So part of the aesthetic for me, which equally is beautiful, but also gives me the (laughs) heebie-jeebies, is Silent Hill. So like the Silent Hill movies and the Silent Hill, well, specifically the first Silent Hill movie, but the Silent Hill franchise um, had some of the the designs could have fit in that world for me as well. Some of the Cenobite looks. Um, And so I, I... don't know if that is a legitimate piece or not, but watching it, I was like, oh, this is Silent Hill creepy vibes for me. And I totally was digging it. Absolutely. And, you know, this kind of falls into a thing that's happened on this show a lot when talking about reboots of classic horror movies. 
uh, these classic horror movies go and inspire these things that come out later. And then those things go and inspire the reboots or remakes, you know, <laughs> later on from there. So I would think Silent Hill is completely inspired by the original Hellraiser. And then I would I would think you're absolutely 100 percent accurate in that that then inspired uh, where some of these designs kind of went with this new one. And yeah, th there's some really cool stuff going on with the Cenobites. I do wish and maybe this sounds weird, but I wish the the effects that like the gore effects were wetter looking does that make sense like not everything just looks so like smooth and and hd i wish it was like you know a little goopier you know yeah that was one of my biggest i i guess you could say disappointments i mean i still loved how like macabre and and like fetishy things were yeah. but there it was this new this new trend of you know elevated horror and like everything has to be so pristine in a mm -hmm. weird way even though it's a horror movie like it it, it and it is it, it's missing that messy squelchiness yeah. i mean some people also think it's missing the horniness also yeah um yeah but you know we've seen that it's it's been done but it also opens you know the the door to doing that also down the road because they've clearly established that, you know, the Leviathan can yeah. bring you different things. It can bring you pleasure. It can bring you power. It can bring you yeah. like all of these things just with, you know, caveats attached. Um, sure. So, so yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Everything was very, was very sleek. There wasn't anything, even, even when we see the guy at the beginning or like get ripped apart, you're not mm -hmm. that like that's missing because you actually see Frank get ripped apart in the first one. You see, sure. you know, in all the continuations of them, like you see the gore and this yeah. one, there isn't that much gore because they're being hooked and then dragged to hell. And we yeah. don't get to we don't get to go to that hell yet. We don't get to go to where the Leviathan is like in Hellbound 2. So, yeah. Um, I think it's, I think it was a good like setup and a good world, like world introduction for yeah. new people, I think. Right. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's a great entry point and yeah, hopefully things get hornier in the next one and just dirtier in every possible yeah, way. And you see even. where, yeah, you see where it's like on its way there. It's just, uh, not quite yet. And, uh, we'll get there, I think. Yeah. Hopefully. So, yeah. Um, you know, Silent Hill getting its start in the video game world. I'll go with Mortal Kombat for my next uh, puzzle piece here. And really? I joked about this in my letterbox review. Some of the dialogue here, and and you know what? This actually kind of falls into that same category we were just talking about with Silent Hill, where it's like things that the original Hellraiser inspired then go on to inspire, you know, the new reboot. But some of these lines, like "Save your breath for screaming" and uh, "Angels," he called them. You'd think the devil would know a devil. They they just sound like things that Mortal Kombat characters would say, <laughs> you know. And uh, it, it's you know it, I I I love the original Hellraiser and and I thought this one was was pretty great. But um, you know the idea that any any of it is particularly scary is like I think kind of silly. Like I think it's more just. It's like cool, you know what I mean? It's like, it's cool imagery. And I think it kind of goes back to that same kind of uh, point of view that like the Mortal Kombat games and movies are going from where it's like, 
like you want to just see some cool gore and violence and just over the top hell type, you know, uh, imagery. Here it is. Have at it, you know. And so it, it kind of has a lot of that kind of point of view, I think. That's really interesting and really fun. And now I'm not going to look at it the same way ever again. Uh, we, it could have used more <laughs> spine ripping for sure. Yes, I think we could have yes. used a little bit more spine ripping. But again, I do think they're setting they're setting up for more. But uh, mm -hmm. that's there's <laughs> that's a lot really of chains and fire and like gates and things like that. All all the things that you would imagine in a Mortal Kombat <laughs> setting are in this, especially once they get to the house at the end and like you know they're kind of stuck in the house and chains and boxes and gears and you know all that kind of yeah. stuff which speaking of, speaking of which as a quick tangent uh the puzzle box um i i love it it's just such like a cool like uh macguffin or whatever you would call it like you know th that thing with all of its little gears and and things it's just so cool i love that. i love that they expanded that mythology because and, and it has different configurations within mm -hmm. it right like when i first i normally don't watch trailers for movies that i like actively am excited about and want to see because i believe yeah. most trailers these days obviously give away too much but i couldn't sure i was so nervous about hellraiser that i watched the trailer because i was also excited mm -hmm. but also really nervous so i watched it and like i was intrigued by what i thought was the new box design but i was still a little like Oh, it's not a cube, you know, because they only show <laughs> that weird pointy at yeah, the top yeah. and bottom and flat on the side. So I, I'm glad that at some point my husband was like, just wait, it'll be a cube. It'll be a cube. It'll be a cube. Because I was yeah. like, it's not a cube. <laughs> and then finally it was a cube. And that was just one configuration of it. And I thought that was actually a really clever way to go. Um, but then yeah. it calls into question, like, is it retconning? which I normally hate, is it retconning the other Hellraiser movies or is mm -hmm. it just, you know, the the Hellraiser movies were just focused on the one configuration and the person died before there was ever a chance to do other configurations. You know what I mean? Mm. Like when you're creating yeah. a new mythology based on old mythology, like could the first Hellraiser still exist in this universe? You sure, know, based sure. on the different patterns or like and it, it probably could it probably could just get stuck yeah. on one configuration you know i think that's an interesting way to look at it that yeah that it was stuck on that one configuration during the first movie and so it like it does still fit in there like yeah i think that's a cool way to look at it you know as long as we're talking about the puzzle box i'm going to kind of just throw another puzzle piece yeah. in here i was thinking of the da vinci code um <laughs> You know, okay. just like a focus on puzzles and ancient texts and signs and, and all the like kind of religious-y kind of feel to uh, to everything that kind of goes along with the, the puzzles and the puzzle box and uh, all of the rules and the expanded universe of of the Cenobites and, uh, and the puzzles. And so I just thought a little bit of that kind of imagery was kind of in here. And to that point of like the different configurations, kind of maybe each one could come back in their own movies and things like that. Like there's just such a, a big, uh, you know, uh, puzzle based thing going on here that I, I think that uh, the Da Vinci code was kind of such a, I don't know. It was just such a major uh, influence when it comes to puzzles and movies over the last 10, 20 years, you know, that's a really good point. I didn't even really think too much about the puzzle side of things. Um, I almost in some ways, one of the negatives for me think this movie bit off a little more than it could chew at mm -hmm. least for the time allotted. I know the pacing 
the pacing was uneven in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, and I think that's where the current state of horror is a detriment where it takes an hour before things really get going and then you have 20 minutes and then it's over kind of thing, yeah. you know? So I do yeah. think the pacing um, suffers, but it could have been longer to explore the different configurations, kind of like you were saying, sure. like almost like it needed to be a separate movie for like the next configuration and so on and so forth. But um, yeah, I do still like what they did. Uh, but my next puzzle piece, um, this might this might be a stretch, but I just it it had some elements in there for me. Um, mm-hmm. Polanski's Repulsion. Oh, um, sure. I don't know if you've seen it, but like when and the scene of like uh, what is it? It was Catherine Deneuve in that movie in Repulsion. I, I think. believe that's who it was. But anyway, the lead actress in Repulsion like stumbles down a hallway and she sees all these figures. Yeah you know, grabbing at her and then are they in her mind or not? And then she gets like sexually assaulted, but there's mm-hmm. nothing there. And so I, I I caught some kind of low key, maybe Polanski influences like Rosemary's Baby, Repulsion, things like that. Um, I'm not yeah. a Polanski expert. I personally choose not to watch his films anymore, but mm. I have seen a few of them and just the he does a great job with suspense and building like, is it there or is it not there? Is it in your mind kind of thing? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so I'd, I'd say it had some some Polanski vibes. Yeah, no, I think that's a great one. And it is uh, Catherine Deneuve that was okay. that was in that for sure. And uh, yeah, I mean, and, and that kind of goes back to like there's a lot happening in this movie, like between dealing with all of the things with the puzzle box to introducing this new main character to finding out that this other guy has already been through things with the Cenobites and we have to learn about him too. Like there's a lot of things going on here. And, Mm -hmm. uh, so, so yeah, there's just a lot, but definitely I could see, uh, the repulsion, uh, aspect, especially with, um, with, with the main character, uh, having to deal with all this stuff that's kind of being thrown at her all at once between and her, her addiction brother, be- and mental health and like all of that. Yeah. yeah all of that. <laughs> so many things all at once. So yeah. Yeah. I like that. Great piece there. I will go with another one here. Um, another classic horror. I feel like there's a lot of classic horror uh, franchises all kind of converging here, but, um, and this is more so to just particular scenes, but Nightmare on Elm Street. I was thinking, especially when she's kind of stuck in that nightmare world, but she's actually in the back of the van and they're speeding away from the house. Uh, I was reminded, I, I believe it might have been Freddy vs. Jason that I'm particularly <laughs> thinking of, but it was it was some Nightmare on Elm Street movie where uh, where her friends are kind of like driving her away from the scene of, of all the, the violent action. And it, she's stuck in a dream uh, dealing with Freddy. They crash while they're speeding away. You know, there's something like that. And that happened here uh, as they're trying to get away the first time from, from the house. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, just those like kind of dream worlds that they have to fight the, the villain in while also dealing with it in the real world at the same time uh, made me think of the way that Freddy encounters happen in the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. That's interesting. Yeah, there are some some similarities between just the like mythologicalness <laughs> yeah. of of like the Cenobites and like the, you know, the Freddy, you know, mythos. They both require some type of magical impotent like not you know falling asleep or 
you know, solving this puzzle box. So they still require some sort of like magic. So no, that's that's a good one. Um, I mean, I do think 80s, right 80s slashers were in an influence. Um, one that actually came to mind while we've been talking, so it's getting like my my brain juices flowing. Um, uh-huh, sure. The end, like house climax, kind of gave mm-hmm. me um, 13 Ghosts vibes also. <laughs> Um, I'm glad you're bringing this up because <laughs> I've actually seen people mention this and I've never seen 13 ghosts and I, I've seen like a few people mention this as a potential puzzle piece for this. And so I, I'm glad you're bringing it up. Oh, but... good. I'm not the only one. Okay. So it's not crazy. Yeah. Okay, good. No, it, you should totally <laughs> watch 13 ghosts. It is a lot of fun, uh, but like it all takes place, you know, like in this mansion and it's different ghosts that are like trapped there and so it was basically more when they were letting the cenobites into the house you know one by one and um again even some of the creature design um but uh yeah so it it kind of becomes like a haunted house movie by the end yeah it does um so yeah so 13 ghosts is what i was thinking of while we were talking about stuff i was like oh yeah i could maybe maybe it's old enough to (laughs) be an influence (laughs) I got to watch that movie one of these days. Um, But yeah, it's funny. It does kind of become like a haunted house and they're like trapping these demons from hell in this house. And it's like, it's kind of weird. Like I I, kind of feel like maybe they wrote themselves into a corner a little bit with that ending, (laughs) you know, but, but you know, at least you get to see the Cenobites a whole bunch. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, That was one of the biggest (laughs) things for me too, was it took, there's, I don't know, there's a trend these days too about not really staying on the shot very long or the reveal very mm-hmm. long. And I don't know if that's, you know, because you don't really want people to see the errors of your character design or the flaws in the CGI. But like, I am glad that we finally did get to see the Cenobites like in their full form, but I still feel like it was flashes. Like, yeah. I, I don't yeah. feel like they held shots too long especially since it was all like it was practical effects Bruckner did confirm that like and so the fact that it's practical and not CGI like I would want that highlighted more and just there's a lot of I don't want to say frenetic editing but it's more just like we're not going to stay very long we're going to cut and we're not going to stay very long we're going to cut and like I want to see those those designs I don't want to have to look at stills online of what the Cenobites fully look like, you know? Sure, um, sure. So, yeah. I Spe- just... sp- speaking of those, like, um, I already brought up Evil Dead, but I think there was a teeth-chattering demon in Ash vs. Evil Dead series, wasn't oh, there? Oh, was there? Oh, I only I saw I the first so. season, and there might have been. The Chatterer okay. is, like, my favorite besides Pinhead. Yeah. So I was really glad oh, yeah. that they created a new Chatterer. Yeah. Um, I do wish <laughs> that, that cool like one. the body proportions of the Cenobites were not all the same. Like they did, mm. de- like they were definitely like slender models, which slenderness can be creepy if, if done mm-hmm. right. Right. Like there's slender man. And even like Jack Skellington is like two ti- big eyes, really tiny, but like, so there can be yeah. kind of an unsettling, uh, but like every single Cenobite was was model looking and I think it would have been cooler to do there was kind of the blobby bulbous Cenobite in the first sure. one that had like the like the black sunglasses on kind of thing um oh yeah and so great. yeah and so I think <laughs> almost like the original Cenobites almost reminded me of the seven deadly sins 
mm-hmm. in a way. And, and I, I wasn't getting that vibe. Um, yeah. From, from, from this movie. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Yeah, they did kind of have that kind of uh, uh, representation of different different sins, almost in a way. And uh, and yeah, here it's just like kind of they're all the same. Like they're thing, all like basically. beautiful, but also terrifying. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> right. So it's like yeah. yeah, I don't know if they're like if they're all pretty, that doesn't really, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll go to my final piece, uh, which uh, is kind of just a silly one, but uh, this this goes back to our puzzle box, which, like I said, is just super cool. And I, I I joked on Twitter that I really want one, one that I can like you know flip the little pieces around and hear little gears chunking and turning oh, and all, all that stuff. For. I want one so bad. I don't care I if it sends me to hell, but uh, it made me think of uh, fidget spinners, which were like really big, like five years ago. So that's my final puzzle piece, not a movie, but like just th- that fad where they were like the biggest thing. You find them at every Seven Eleven, and everybody was yes. playing with them. Uh, it just seems like a perfect time to uh, include a fidget spinner in a horror movie. Why not? Oh you know? my gosh, that would be hilarious. That would be amazing. <laughs> like you have the Ouija board movie. Like you have a series sure. of Ouija boards, so it'd be funny if there was like a a, a fidget spinner that unlocks. It a spins game. really <laughs> quick and then cuts your fingers off. Yeah. Or something. Oh, like, that's good. There we go. That's good. Yeah. Um, my last one is kind of silly, but not not as like silly as as yours. But it's really, I really just wanted to mention it because I wanted to give a shout out to like the writer and director. Uh, there's a movie called Daniel Isn't Real. And um, okay, I don't yeah. know if you've seen it or not, but it's by Adam Egypt Mortimer. Mm-hmm. And after I saw it, I uh, this was I saw it shortly after Bruckner had actually been announced. And I like Bruckner as a horror director. Don't get me wrong. Like I I felt that Hellraiser was was very capable, like in his capable hands. So I was sure, I was yeah. less nervous when I heard that Bruckner was attached. But Daniel isn't real. Is this? movie about mental health and like is it in his mind or is it not in his mind on top of all of his mental health things spoiler alert Mm. it isn't in his mind he does have mental health issues but he also is seeing this demonic presence in his life um called daniel and there's the very very end where he has to go into daniel's realm and it's basically like hellraiser 2 and he has to, mm-hmm. and there's the walls move and there's brick and it's more like neon lighting as opposed to like blood red lighting or like black lighting. So it's a little bit more neon kind of thing, but that's, yeah. that's just Adam yeah. Egypt's uh, thing. But after it was over, I took to Twitter and I was like, man, I would love to see Adam Egypt Mortimer's take on a Hellraiser movie because the last sure. bit of Daniel isn't real was a lot like Hellbound. And mm-hmm. the creature designs in there were like grotesque and repulsive, but really awesome. And this other like hell world that, you know, Adam created was really great. So I don't know if it was an influence or not. Um, I wish it were uh, if, if it yeah. wasn't. But I really just wanted to throw out Daniel Isn't Real for people to hopefully watch. Um, and <laughs> Adam Egypt Mortimer responded to my tweet. He was like, hey. Me too. I'd love to do a Hellraiser movie. <laughs> um, but I just, yeah. So Daniel Isn't Real has similar has similar tropes and themes. And then it ends mm-hmm. a lot kind of like um, Hellraiser 2. So right um, I, I 
I'm putting that down as my final puzzle piece. I think that sounds great. And uh, I haven't seen it, but I remember that poster. That is like a real memorable poster, the Daniel Isn't Real poster. And uh, yeah. the Hellraiser movies always have such great artwork. And and the way you're describing like the final sequences and the neon light, that's such like an interesting take on it. Like, uh, I, I'd love to see that. And I'd love to see him make a uh, Hellraiser because that sounds <laughs> yes! like it would be a cool direction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you're going to need a director for the sequels. Bruckner's not going to do yeah. more eight, you know? So yeah. hopefully... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there because I think it's 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 not seen. It, it wasn't seen as much. It was on Shutter for a while, but just the the design, like the production design and the character designs, were just so good that it had yeah. me craving more in that style from Adam. So. Yeah, well, that is a great last puzzle piece, and that does it for all our puzzle pieces. So. Uh, do you have any like closing thoughts, anything we didn't quite get to while going through the pieces that you wanted to bring up? No, I'm good. I'm just I'm just really, really excited that as a Hellraiser fan, I have something new. I'm I'm excited to hear that some people even liked it better than the first one and or the second. While I may not necessarily yeah. agree, it means it's a whole new like gateway for fans. Right. It's, sure. it's for people younger than us. You know, the whole cast was younger than <laughs> we were, I think, right? Like yeah, all the kids probably. in it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm really excited that it it builds on like kind of a foundation that was there and then is taking it somewhere new. So I'm I'm hopeful, but I'm glad that it's, it's kind of a gateway for some people to uh, discover yeah. a franchise that is my absolute favorite when it comes to horror franchises. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I only other thing I'd say is just, you know, one more shout to uh, Jamie Clayton. I thought was great, you know, as Pinhead. And so hopefully if they do continue this forward, you know, she'll be back to do more of that. And uh, yeah, otherwise I think we, we got to most of it. So um, that does it for Hellraiser. Uh, Lauren, is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Okay. I'll give maybe two. I've been watching a lot of uh, Peter Hyams movies. Uh, he did Time Cop okay. in 2010. Uh, one really good one that I watched recently was called Narrow Margin. It's from 1990 and has Gene Hackman in it. Um, huh. I watched that. And then uh, I had a lot of fun with a little uh, horror comedy movie on Shudder called Deadstream. Um, I love found footage. I might footage. watch that this yeah. week. It's yeah. so, I love found footage and it finds to me a new way to kind of like modernize it and also like bring something different to it. And I think the actor is one of the writers of the film too. So it's very like the small project, but it's got like, it's got low budget practical effects, which like I respect because mm. I, anyway, so I, I recommend Deadstream on, on Shudder. I had a lot of fun with that one. It provided me jump scares and also laughter. And I feel like it was, it's a great combination. You know, I don't normally ask this, but one other question if I, someone who's only really seen the first three Hellraisers and then this new one, wanted to watch one of the direct-to-video ones, what would you recommend? Oh, I would probably go with, uh, what's it called? There's Hellraiser in Space. <laughs> <laughs> and I legit reckon, it's very Event Horizon-y. There's a reason why people say that Event Horizon is like an unaffiliated, you know. Sure, uh, yeah. But I would say. Bloodline, it looks like, okay, is that one. Yes, Hellraiser, Hellraiser Bloodline. Bloodline. 
uh, yeah. is the Hellraiser in Space one. And so I I would recommend uh, that. Okay. <laughs> Which I and think then is the third one, right? So just watch one, two, and three. Uh, it's got to be think. the fourth. Yeah. But yeah, I'm going to have to watch it. Oh, boy. I can't wait. Uh, Lauren, this was great. It's good, I promise. But it just, why not go to space? You know, like Jason. Sure. Yeah, they just go to space on the third one. It took Fast and the Furious, a nine of them. (laughs) They all have to. They all have to eventually. Yeah. Hellraiser just jumps right to it. Well, we've already, what have we not done? Space. Let's do it. But it's, I, I recommend it. Awesome. Well, this is great. Uh, tell people again where they can find you and your podcast. Uh, you can find me at That Movie Is Fine on Letterboxd, Twitter, and Instagram. And then on Instagram, you can find our podcast at That Movie Is Fine Podcast. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for doing the show. And uh, maybe we can get you back again sometime. Hey, that'd be great. I had a great time. Thank you so much. <laughs> Tonight, we are hearing from the father of one of three young men killed in a horrific triple murder in Polk County over the weekend. I just killed Cassie. We just left her house. This is not a joke. Dude, I just killed Cassie. That felt like fucking real. I mean, it went by so fast. Shut the up. We gotta get our act straight. Okay. Hi, everyone. Hello. I'm Lauren. I am Ken. And this is Paradise After Dark. Dark, 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 dark. Paradise After Dark is a weekly podcast covering true crime. Unsolved mysteries. Missing people. And urban legends. We cover cases such as the vampire of Dusseldorf. The Cracker Barrel Martyrs. The cases of missing Terrence Williams and Felipe Santos. Serial killer Bobby Joe Long and much more. You can find us on all podcast platforms. If you love true crime and all things mysterious, please give us a listen. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Hellraiser. Thanks to Lauren Knight for joining me. Make sure to check out her podcast. Links will be in the show notes, of course. And thank you to you for listening. If you like what we do here on Piecing It Together, make sure you're subscribed wherever it is that you're listening to the show. And you could rate and review us. Five stars would be very nice. It would be very helpful. It supposedly gets the show to rise up in the rankings, and I don't know if it's true, but let's just go with that, and uh, let's do it. You could also, of course, follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And don't forget about that Patreon that I told you about at the top of the episode. If you really want to support us in that way, we would appreciate it. You could check it out. Produced by David Rosen, Patreon, with lots of bonus content from Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year, and My Music Career. And speaking of my music career, I finished up my new album this week. Uh, I will be playing more of that in the coming weeks here on the show, also posting snippets on Patreon and all kinds of stuff. I have a lot to do with planning the release of this new album. I'm so excited for you all to hear it. Uh, But first, you know, it being a Hellraiser episode, it being the Halloween season, I got to play something scary sounding. So I'm going to go with the album that I put out last Halloween, uh, The Dissection Table, which is a soundtrack to an unreleased film that I scored, and I'm going to play a track called Perdaste from that film. Uh, Good 
creepy horror stuff so i felt like this would be a good fit for this episode so i hope you enjoy it the album the dissection table is available anywhere you can stream music and keep an eye out for my new album coming in the next couple of months so uh more on that coming up but thank you for listening as always and we'll be back with more piecing it together real soon West Production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.